Well, we, uh, I hope you were here last Sunday to hear that great message from my good friend, Leonard Anderson, on recovery. That was awesome. Uh, if you weren't, you can watch it online. Leonard has obviously been watching my preaching and getting some pointers and, and picking up on things. I've been watching him. He's doing a little better. I think we keep, you know, invite him back every year and he'll get a little better all the time. And uh, so, so that's good. Um, I need to clear one thing up. He is, he is retired from the Navy, not from the ministry. So some of y'all were thinking, is he retired already? He's only in his 30s. He's just a kid. But it was, it was, he was retired from the Navy. That's why he was letting his hair grow out. Okay, so there. Cleared that up. See, i got to help him. i got to clear. It's so confusing. Anyhow. All right. We're in our summer series, as you can tell, called Bonfire, which is meant to remind you of the times around a bonfire with good friends when you, you know, you get telling, retelling some of the big stories that, uh, that you always tell, the ones that nobody, no one forgets. And we're looking at the big stories of the Bible all summer long, and this morning we are going to look at a whale of a story. It is a story of Jonah. You're with me. And fittingly, I was over to Graham and Ann uh, a week or so ago, and uh, leaving the island, I, you got to get a window seat on the ferry because you want to you want to see what's going to pop up, and you always see seals and porpoises and things like this. But leaving the island, I was sitting in the galley facing the stern, which is also sitting in the cafeteria facing the rear. <laughs> I was in the galley facing the stern of the ship. And just as we left North Head, we were going by Swallowtail Light, that famous view there at Swallowtail Light. Here's this, this huge whale breaks right behind, right, not making this up, right behind the ferry. This ginormous whale just does this big, long, slow roll right out of the And what was funny about it was the table right in front of me were sitting there saying, I haven't seen a whale in forever. I know, it's been so long since I've seen a whale. And I'm thinking, folks, if you would just look out the window... Like, sitting there looking at each other, talking about how you haven't seen a whale in forever, it's not helpful. Because I'm looking at one right now, and I couldn't even say, but, but, but all I could do was, like, point. Like, it was, it was, that, it was that big. Anyhow, so that's my, my uh, fresh whale story from Graham and Ann just down there a week or so ago. Jonah is a small book, four chapters long. You can read it this afternoon. And it is full of, of truth about redemption in Jesus Christ. And if you have, maybe you're here this morning and you have a hard time swallowing, pun intended, maybe you're here and you have a, a hard time swallowing a story about a man living in a giant fish for three days and then being spit out on the beach. I just want to ask you this morning up front, just to stay open, just to keep your heart and your mind open to God's word and God's presence here in this room this morning. Don't miss the bigger picture because you can't swallow the whale, all right? It's astounding and it's spectacular, but so is the resurrection, right? And the Bible is full of mind-blowing uh, stories. And, and I would just encourage you to let these things stretch your faith a little further this morning. Because if, if you say, well, I... I can only accept what I can comprehend, then stop using your phone. Because you have no idea how that thing is picking information out of the sky right now and bringing it into, into your phone. 
if it's a miracle, if it is a miracle, then we don't need to, to worry and spend time talking about, well, what kind of a fish was it, or what was the fish that big doing there, and any of that kind of, kind of stuff, or whether or not you could live in a fish for three days without being consumed, and all that, all that stuff. If God wants to swallow you by a big fish and hold you there for three days so that he can get your attention, he can do it. He's God, all right? And because it's outside of what I can explain, that, that doesn't make it mythical to me at all. The things that I cannot explain don't weaken my faith. They remind me how small I am and that I need faith, okay? So if you're having a hard time swallowing Jonah this morning, I would just encourage you just to stay open to God's word and God's spirit. Now, just to help you a little bit, I thought we would show this video. Uh, uh, this is a fresh video from this summer in the Gulf of St. Lawrence. I've been there many times with my father where the ship was entirely surrounded by whales, but, but watch this video and maybe this will help you out this morning. That's good. See, now that could swallow you. Now do you believe? All right, that thing, yeah, that thing could totally swallow you. Now, another reason why I believe it is because Jesus believed it. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, Jesus said this, For as Jonah was, this is Jesus said, For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish, for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Jesus believed it. And just in case we don't see the symmetry between the two stories, Jesus reminds us that Jonah is another Old Testament foreshadow of uh, pointing us to the Messiah. It's about 780 years before the birth of Jesus. Most of you weren't even around then. And Jonah... <laughs> and Jonah is a, a prophet who God speaks to, and God tells him to go 500 miles northeast from Palestine to the city of Nineveh on the banks of the Tigris River in what is now the country of Iraq. God says go 500 miles northeast to Nineveh and, and, and share this message. God says go, and, and Jonah says no, and runs from God by catching a boat to Spain, which is 2,000 miles in west. God calls him to go north, and Jonah, 500 miles north, and Jonah catches a boat to go 2,000 miles west. At the time of this story, Nineveh was a booming city. It's a dust pile now. But at the time of this, it was a booming city right on the river, about 120,000 people, about the size of Moncton, and uh, uh, booming in trade and tourism. Okay. So there are times in Scripture and in history when a person's sin or a city's sin or a nation's sin is so deplorable that God just can't take it anymore and he steps in. 
And we can't even, I'm not, I'm not even going to share with you some of the things that, that were common in the city of, of Nineveh. It is so uh, unthinkable in this day and age. The depths of, of savage brutality and wild living that these people were, 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 were living in. It makes Las Vegas look like having tea with your grandmother, okay? It's this extreme, over-the-top violence and wickedness mixed into this cocktail of wealth and lustful, anything-goes-lavish living. And God sends Jonah to tell Nineveh that he's had enough. But Jonah has other plans, gets swallowed by the whale. Three days later, he gets spit out with a second chance, and he eventually goes to Nineveh to preach. Remarkably, the city of Nineveh sobers up under Jonah's ministry, repents, and God spares their lives. And this, and that, at that point, after God saves the city and, and withholds his judgment, this is when the real Jonah is revealed. And we find out near the end of the end of the book that, that Jonah is mad at God for, for letting those people go and for forgiving them. And the book ends with this pouting prophet still fuming over God's scandal of grace. So that's the, that's the overview. We're going to be really pretty much in Jonah chapter 1 today. And uh, let's read the first three verses of Jonah chapter 1. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found, that would be modern-day Tel Aviv, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish, which would be Spain. And he bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. If we ever lose our compassion for spiritually lost people to the point where we hope those people get what they deserve, we'll get what we deserve. If we ever lose our passion and our burden and our urgency for spiritually lost people, if you can imagine to the point of, of wishing that those people, they'll get what they deserve, we'll get what we deserve. God still calls people to get up and, and go into the cities and proclaim mercy and repentance and forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ. God's heart breaks for broken cities. God's heart breaks for brokenness in people's lives. God is a compassionate God. It's not his will that any should perish. And God called Jonah to, to get up and go. He invited him into his mission. And instead of get up and go, Jonah got up and said no. And let this, let this rock your boat this morning. Let this, let this rock the entire Moncton Wesleyan boat this morning. There are people out there, there are people who need to hear the good news, and there are people who have the good news, and God speaks to us and empowers us and compels us to go to our Ninevehs. Have you ever asked your kids to do something and they did the exact opposite of what you were asking them to do? Anyone? Would you like to go get those kids right now? 
and you think, what is wrong with you? What are you, what are you, you know, come on. You, you heard what I said. You knew what I wanted you to do, and you didn't do what I wanted you to do. In fact, you did the total, complete opposite of what I was asking you to do. Has God ever spoken to you? Has God ever spoken to you or told you specifically what he wanted you to do and you got up and you went about as far away from that idea as you could possibly go? You see, Jonah isn't afraid of of what the Ninevites will do to him. He's afraid of what the Ninevites will do with God. They were brutal people. I mean, they were just unthinkably brutal. But that's not his fear. He wasn't afraid of what they would do with him. He was afraid of what they would do with God. He's afraid that they won't get what they do deserve. And he doesn't want them to turn. He wants them to burn. You see, none of us, none of us in this room this morning deserve God's mercy and grace. Just quickly explain this a little bit. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. None of us deserve grace. And mercy is not getting what you do deserve. You see, we deserve hell. We deserve eternal punishment. We're filthy. And salvation is a free gift of God's grace. And Jonah wanted to give them rejection. And God wanted to give them redemption. For some reason, Jonah has a hate on for Nineveh. It's a selfish, bitter root of a, of a grudge. And sometimes we, sometimes we, we hesitate to, to tell lost people about the good news in Jesus Christ, not because they are so far lost, but because we're so far lost. We're lost in our own selfishness and our own pride, and our own judgmentalism, and we don't want them to get right with God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. says, look after each other, that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. It's for everyone. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting Many, God help us. You see, bitterness can poison you to the point of not caring where someone else spends eternity. That that should be chilling. That bitterness can do that. Relationships can deteriorate to the point where you just don't give a rip anymore. Or worse, you hope the person goes to hell. We We should be shocked by Jonah's state of heart. And, and maybe we're even more shocked that, that, that God knows what state Nineveh is. He knows how messed up Nineveh is. And he knows what state Jonah is in. How, how, how bad he hates those people. How messed up Jonah is. Maybe, maybe Jonah is even more messed up than Nineveh. I mean, his heart is wrong. And God knows how messed up Nineveh is, and he knows how messed up Jonah is, and he still chooses to call a messed up, broken prophet and send him 
to a messed up, broken city. We're all messed up. And only God can take two messed up situations and bring redemption out of the ruin. Jonah's a mess. Nineveh's a mess. And somehow God brings these two messes together and, and brings something beautiful out of that. There is mercy in the mess. All right, let's read a couple more verses. Jonah, man, it's bigger over here. I can actually see this print. I can't see that one. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the belly of the ship. The, uh, the Olympics just started. Any, any Olympic fans out there? Anyone? Four of us. I love the Olympics. I'm switching between channel and channel and channel and watching. I need like four TVs so I can watch it all. We're, we're Olympic freaks. We, we, Gayla and I, we love it. We watch, uh, we watch quite a bit of it. Well, God has his own category here in Jonah chapter 1, verse 4. The text tells us that he hurled the storm at this ship. It, God, God is an uh, Olympic storm hurler. And he throws this storm at Jonah's boat like a javelin. And the scripture tells us that the wind obeyed and the waves obeyed. And even the ship was, was obeying while Jonah slept. And the sailors recognized this as a, as a God-sent storm. Maybe because of how, how fast the storm came on them. Maybe it just came on them like no other storm before. And they're like, whoa, this is different. This must be a God-sent storm. Maybe because of the intensity Maybe it was just, you know, so over the top, unlike anything else that they'd ever experienced, that they said, wow, this must be a God-sent storm. It was the kind of storm that causes people to consider spiritual things. You know those kinds of storms? The kind of storms that cause people to, to consider spiritual things. It's an image meant to, to really uh, alarm us. People who are far from God, these sailors, people who are far from God, frantically searching for answers, for answers, I don't know what answers are, but I don't, they weren't searching for answers, they were searching for answers when calamity strikes. And they're trying everything to, 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 to calm the storm, to make it stop on their own, to save their lives. And, and when you're in one of those, those storms, when a storm like that hits you, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters when you realize this is life or death. So they're throwing the cargo overboard. Who cares? Maybe it's precious cargo. Maybe it's valuable cargo. It doesn't matter if it's life or death. Get rid of it. Throw it overboard. We all have cargo in our lives, don't we? We all have stuff, stuff that weighs us down, stuff. You have stuff in your life, and I have stuff in my life that wouldn't mean anything if the doctor told you today that you've got a short amount of time to live. If it was life or death, stuff, schmuff, like it doesn't care. You're just like, throw it overboard, get rid of it. It's, it's, all, it's all just nonsense. It doesn't mean anything to us. 
And here are these pagan sailors doing all they can to calm their storm and to save their lives. And the person with the answer, the one person who should rise to the occasion and tell them how to save their lives, the one person with the answer is sound asleep deep in the hold, deep in the belly of the boat. God help us. Help us not to sleep through other people's storms. God help us, followers of Jesus, not to sleep through other people's disasters. The church can't lay down while other people are going down. And this, the sleep here described of Jonah is a, is a deep sleep. It's the same word that was used to describe the sleep that God put Adam in when he was doing surgery on him to create Eve. It's that kind of a, it's that kind of a sleep so deep that a, a doctor could open you up and you wouldn't even know it. And he, Jonah is out cold. He's as deep in the ship as he can get. And he is in, as deep asleep as he can get. He is dead to his calling. He is dead to his running away. He is dead to his sin. He is dead to his mission. He is dead to the lostness of others. He's dead asleep. Now, I've been, I've been to sea with my father in some, in some ridiculous storms and some, some crazy weather where if you, if you didn't tie yourself to the bed, you weren't staying in bed. Like if somebody didn't duct tape you to the bed, forget it. Because every time you hit a wave, you went down into a, down into a hole, we call it. When you get down into the hole, you, you come off the bed by two feet. Or you get thrown out of the bed. Like it was just absolutely pointless. And here's, here's Jonah in that kind of a storm, and he, he's oblivious. He is sound asleep. Now catch this this morning, friends. Catch this. The biggest problem of that day was not the weather. The biggest problem was not the storm. The biggest problem was the sin that was hidden deep below the surface. Surface the sin and then the storms can't win. Sin that is, that is sleeping deep down in our spirits will cause damaging wild storms at the surface. Are you hearing that this morning? Sin that is, that is, that is hidden and sleeping deep below will eventually cause terrific storms at the surface. You can't stuff your sin down deep and just forget about it. Eventually, the wind and the waves will catch up to you. Eventually, you will lose all of your cargo. It'll all fall apart, and, and your sin will be confronted eventually. The biggest problem was not the storm at the surface. The biggest problem was the sin that was hidden deep below. Let's continue reading in verse 6. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. 
Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. And when they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? And Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Back in verse 6, the captain goes down and he finds Jonah and he shouts at him, why are you sleeping? And that, that captain has been preaching at this pastor all week. All week long, several times a day, I've heard those words coming back at me. How can you sleep at a time like this? Maybe someone needs to hear those words this morning. Some days when I, when I see what's happening in our world, I just want to cover my head. I just want to run and hide. And then I hear the words of, of my captain saying to me, how can you sleep at a time like this? And the captain shouts at Jonah, get up and pray to your God. Friends, it is not too far a stretch for us this morning to receive these words like fresh words of prophecy over this church and over our lives and over this city this morning. We need to wake up and we need to get up and we need to pray up for the salvation of others. This is no time for the church to be asleep. This is no time for followers of Jesus to be asleep. This is no time for us to be distracted or to get off mission or to take a break. This is a time for the church of Jesus Christ to rise up and to wake up and to pray up and to, for, to, to God for the salvation of our city and our neighbors and our friends and our spouses and our children, people who don't know Jesus Christ, for the salvation of others. You're going to be hearing about a new uh, monthly night of prayer and worship that's coming to our church this fall. And if you don't want to come for yourself, come for someone else. Come for others. And don't come because I'm asking. Come because God is calling us. It's a huge, huge difference. I believe this church, when we open the doors for prayer, I believe this church should be standing room only. I, th I believe it should be full. I believe it should be full of people, of Jesus followers, crying out for the salvation of others. We'll have, uh, there will be, Pastor Mark and the band will be here leading us in deep, intense times of worship. There will be a short amount of, of teaching that night, and then we will pray specifically over uh, issues in people's lives and what you're dealing with. And I had several people tell me this morning about, about uh, health issues, serious health issues, and, and uncertainty and things like that. And, and, and that, that, that night of prayer and worship that we do, we're going we're gonna to be praying, leaning hard into things like that. 
there are storms in people's lives that are so severe and so sudden that even though they don't know Jesus, your non-believing friends will reach out to you. Just like the captain goes down and finds Jonah. Sometimes someone in your life who doesn't know Jesus will have such a storm and it'll come on them so sudden that even though they don't believe and they don't have a relationship with Jesus, they'll come to you and they'll, they'll want you to pray to your God on behalf of their situation, on behalf of their storm. Don't sleep through other people's storms. If you know someone who is in a storm, reach out to them today. Reach out to them and, and tell them, God woke you up in a sermon about Jonah. Verse 9, the first time that we hear from Jonah in the text. The first time that we hear from him. First time he says anything. He points to the Lord his God. And Jonah gives his testimony. And he tells them that my God is the God above all other gods. He is the maker of the wind, the sea, and the land. He is the Lord over the heavens and the earth. And there are times when you just need to tell people about your God. There are times when someone's in a storm or you're in a storm and you just need to tell people who your God is and share your testimony and don't be shy about it. There are times when people are open and they just need to hear you speak about who your God is. And Jonah didn't have to go through the Rolodex of all the gods. Let's see now, which God could this be that, that is causing this storm? Which God have I upset? Which, which, which one is this like all the, the other sailors were doing and they were trying this God and they're trying that God and nothing's, nothing's helping. Oh, we'll try this God, we'll try. And nothing was working. Jonah didn't need to do that because his faith wasn't based on ritual or superstition. His faith was based on a relationship with the one true God who spoke to him, who called him, and who sent him. He knows that his God is compassionate. He knows that God doesn't want anyone to perish. He knows that if God can save Nineveh, he can save these sailors. Jonah knows of God's power. And in the middle of that storm, he points to the one, the one and only one who he worships, the one who can save them. All right, verse 10, let's keep going. The sailors were terrified when they heard this. For he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Now, this is almost comical. When they realize who Jonah is running from, their fear goes to a whole nother level. Like their fear kicks into a new gear when they realize who he's running from. And now they're groaning. They're like, oh, no, why did you? Oh, no. Like, why? Why did you do that? They can't believe that someone who knows Yahweh would disobey him. And they're like, how crazy are you? What were you smoking? And they're just like, come on. You see, even people outside the Christian faith think it's crazy. They, 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 they think it's crazy 
when followers of Jesus don't follow Jesus. Even people who don't believe. Like if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, even people who don't believe what you believe, they expect you to follow Jesus. And these guys are like, you're kidding me. Like, you, you know Yahweh, and he spoke to you, and you didn't listen to him? Oh, they're like, oh, 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 we're doomed. We are doomed. They started to groan. Their, their fear went into a whole nother gear. They're like, who does that? Even people who don't believe, if they know that you're a follower of Jesus, they expect you to follow Jesus. If I just followed you for a week or two, would your life lead me to Jesus? If I, if I followed you and watched you and listened to you for a week or two, would your life lead me to Jesus? Is there any difference between you and someone who doesn't follow Jesus? These guys cannot believe that Jonah would hear a word from the living God and run from it. And now they're asking him for wisdom. So they're like, since you know this God, what, what should we do to you? Like, what would you do in a situation like this? And, and here is what this verse tells us, and I, and I hope everyone gets this this morning. Wherever you are, if you feel like God has you somewhere where you'd rather not be, in a situation that, that you would rather not be there, there are good responses and there are bad responses. Like the sailors are saying to Jonah, now what? Tell us, what should we do? There are good responses and there are bad responses. There are responses, good responses, that can change our circumstances. Because where you are is not where you have to stay. You can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Don't, don't, don't build a cottage in the valley of the shadow of death. Don't pitch a tent there. Just walk through it. You don't have to stay there. The cargo is lost. It's not coming back. The ship is battered, but it can be repaired. It's a mess, but it can get better or it can get worse, and that depends on the decisions and the choices that Jonah makes in that, right then, in that situation. Let's see what happens. Verse 12. Jonah says, throw me into the sea, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. See, that's a good decision. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded. Don't make us die for this man's sin. Don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Sometimes, sometimes God sends storms into our lives for good reasons. Then, the sailors picked up Jonah, threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. And the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. And now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, 
And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. And there's a foreshadow of Jesus here. Jonah is a type of Christ. And we see these foreshadows all over the Old Testament. And Jonah realizes that he must give his life for the salvation of others. Do you see it? Plunge me into the darkness so that others can see the light. The foreshadow of Jesus Christ. Surface the sin. They brought Jonah up from the, from the, the, the bottom of the boat. Surface the sin. Bring it into the light where it can be dealt with. Deal with it severely. Don't hold back. Church, I encourage us this morning, if there's, if there's something that you've been, been pushing down deep trying to hide it, bring it into God's light this morning. Don't hold it back. If you have to throw it overboard, throw it overboard. As hard as it is, get a hold of the sin in your life and throw it out into the sea of God's forgiveness. And once the sin is dealt with, the skies will clear. and Their fears turn, their fears turn to awe. They are awestruck by God. See, when we let God control our lives, when we deal with sin, when we acknowledge his power, when we trust in his ways, when we, when we turn from our lesser gods and, and our idols, when we follow God in obedience, even though God took them to the edge of, of death, calamity, and disaster, they bowed to serve him. They offered their sacrifices to him. They saw his power, and they decided, I want to serve and follow Jonah's God. You see, the storms didn't turn them off of God. The storms turned them to God. But God brought the storm to wake Jonah, and he brought the fish to hold him right where he wanted him so that they could talk. You know, it's like, it's like saying to your child, you just, you just sit right there. We're going to talk about this. God puts Jonah where he can get his attention for three days and three nights. This is some serious time out. You just sit there, young man, and think about what you've done. When I was young, we didn't get time out. We got taken out. <laughs> time out was not an option. Actually, time out came after taken out. First you got taken out, and then you, then you could think about it. You can explain that to your kids after lunch. What did he mean by get taken out? One man being swallowed by a large fish is nothing compared with all our sin being swallowed by God's grace. It's, it's hard to believe, isn't it, that a, that a fish swallow a man and hold him for three days and three nights and then give him a second chance it's amazing and it's grace it's nothing compared to the grace of God this morning swallowing all of our sin all of our pride all of our running from God maybe you're here this morning and you've been You've been running. You're Jonah. You've been running. God told you to go one way. You went your own way. You've been hiding, trying to hide. And maybe God is calling you to come back this morning to whatever that, whatever that calling is, whatever, whatever it is that he asks you to do. Maybe someone's here this morning and they're in a storm. And uh, you've tried a lot of other things. You've been throwing cargo overboard. 
but you need to turn your heart towards Jesus. Maybe someone's just been sleeping spiritually. You've just been sleeping, just kind of coasting. And, and God wants you to wake up. This is not a time to be sleeping. Maybe it's us together as a church, and I'm the pastor of the church. Maybe God is speaking a word specifically to Moncton Wesleyan this morning about our Nineveh and, and shaking us to get our attention and say, how can you sleep? at a time like this. Let's pray together. Lord, I want to thank you again, God, this morning for the truth of your word. This prophet Jonah, who's human and imperfect like we are. And I thank you, God, for how an ancient text like this that is so full of truth can can rock our boat through the power of your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, in these next few moments, would you help us, like Jonah, to simply say to you, well, we'll do whatever you want us to do. We surrender. We're done running. We will bring our sin to the surface. We won't hide. And God... Uh, We'll follow you, whatever you want to do in our lives. We worship you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to spend some quiet time in, in uh, responding to God this morning. The band's going to lead us in a great, great hymn of response, how deep the Father's love for us. And um, if you need to get up from the belly of your boat or your whale this morning and come spend some time with Jesus. We invite you to the altar area of the front of this church to deal with, with the Lord, have him deal with you and surrender all. And um, well, I guess that's that. We're going to leave it at that. Forget about the clock. I see the clock. I know where it is. Uh, if you need to go get your kids, then, then sure, slip out quietly. If you just need to get a good seat at the restaurant, May God burn your food. There's no better seat than sitting at the feet of Jesus. Let's stand and worship.